0: If you're tired of dieting and stepping on the scale, you're lacking energy and confidence, and you're ready to harness your inner athlete, then you're in the right place. I'm Sherry Shaban, and in each episode, I'll help you to rebuild your fitness identity and empower your deepest transformation so that health and fitness are not just what you do, but who you are. What's up, athletes? Welcome back to the show. I'd like you to come on a little journey with me today. And I want you to imagine waking up every morning with unwavering confidence that you're always making the right choices for yourself. Picture yourself in complete control of your fitness journey, feeling the satisfaction of seeing the results every single day. And how would that feel to let go of guilt when plans change? And how amazing would it be to no longer seek answers, but instead realize that you're reaching your full potential every single day? You know, often we find ourselves adopting various nutrition, training, meditation, and mindset programs, yet our core identity and self-limiting beliefs remain unchanged. Unless we address and overcome these limitations, all the healthy practices we incorporate will yield little to no impact or results and that can be so frustrating. So instead, we have to shift our mindset and transform those limiting beliefs to truly see a change. Transformation is not confined to one fitness program. It begins when we release our limiting beliefs and we embrace the power within us to create the life we desire. By believing in ourselves and trusting the process, we open the doors to endless possibilities. In this conversation with Michael Krakowski, we explore intuitive training, breaking free from limiting beliefs, nurturing our autonomy, and reprogramming our thoughts to manifest our transformation. Michael is a strength trainer with over 14 years of experience and has worked with numerous individuals in kettlebell training, strength conditioning, athletics, and nutrition. I have to admit, I've loved this conversation with Michael, and I cannot wait for you to listen. All right, athletes, now here are the key takeaways I have for you that you'll be walking away with today after listening to this episode with Michael. Number one, when you elevate yourself, watch out for self-sabotage and the negative self-talk that can bring you down. It is so sneaky and yet so powerful. Number two, when we shed our limiting beliefs, we become completely different people. We become the person we are always meant to be. Number three, transformation doesn't happen in a fitness program. On the contrary, it happens the moment we release our limiting beliefs. And finally, number four, whatever it is that you feel could provide value for someone, a way that you can really make an impact in their life, whatever that is, however little it may be, do it. All right, athletes, we're just about to jump into it. But before you do that, I want to quickly remind you that if you head on over to iTunes, you review and rate this podcast and then send over that screenshot with your name on it to Sherry at SherryShaban.com, you'll receive a $500 voucher to Transformation in Paradise, Costa Rica this November 25 to December 2nd, 2023. Over this week, you'll transform your body and mind without ever dieting and exercising again. If you're ready to ditch the diet and exercise punishment hamster wheel and imagine a newly transformed mind, health, and body, come join me in Costa Rica on November 25 for seven magical days to reignite your lost pre-pandemic motivation, passions, and vitality while cultivating new and simple life-changing habits so that struggle with weight loss is a thing of your past. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show.
1: What's up, Sherry? Glad to be here.
0: So happy you're here, and I'm super excited to jump into this conversation because just talking offline now, you spoke about how you are in the business of helping people overcome those temporary successes, right? The yo-yo success that you were talking about, and I couldn't agree more. I think this is where all the work is, and before we dive into it, maybe you can share a little bit about your story and how you got to this place of supporting people through their health and fitness journey.
1: Sure. The, uh, I guess, short version, you know, grew up as an athlete, always liked the aspects of physical training and kind of more of like, I always delved into sports that had more of like that skill technique, like baseball, like tennis, like all like the precise motion. So there's something about like mastering a skill that always really, I loved. So when I was in my early twenties, kind of as many coaches were kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, I actually had a friend who was a great personal trainer and a coach. I started working with him and feeling really great. He kind of introduced me into the world of personal training, a functional movement, kind of learned about asymmetrical work assessment type stuff and kind of beyond the aesthetics of just, you know, physical fitness. And so when we got into that, I kind of just gave it a shot and fell in love with working with people and, and helping people and then on the physical side, I really found my calling and my purpose in hard style kettlebell training. You know, got a lot of Pavel Tatsulin's work, met my coach Brett Jones, who's one of my great friends and mentors today, and went through the RKC system and then kind of stayed with strong first. And so the modality of training that I do a lot of is on that side of kettlebell training, but I think a lot changed a couple years ago, kind of in the midst of the COVID pandemic. So I was with a team of people. We had a small studio in my area here, Saratoga Springs, New York, and it was a freaking blast. We had an absolute blast and uh, we had like 150 members. We were expanding our space to get bigger spots, more classes, a lot of good stuff. So everything was going in the right direction. Then March of 2020, something happened in the world and we had to shut down for a bit. But kind of being a like just an eternal optimist, I'm like, we'll figure this out and we'll get it through. Our team got together like in a weekend. We filmed all of our classes, built like our whole system of what we did in the studio online in a weekend. So all the members could still do everything that they needed to. They still had their kettlebells at home. So all the equipment, we pretty much did everything that they needed to do at home. And for a little bit, they were doing very well. But slowly, I started to see members that were starting to slip away, not just the ones that were kind of doing okay in the studio, even the ones that were like kicking ass in the studio, and they were still falling off. And I was like, I could see it. I'm like, well, you know, it is different, but we'll get back to the studio. But I just started asking some questions with people like what's going on. And one of the things that kind of was a shock to me was a lot of them felt like they didn't know what to do or almost felt like they weren't like allowed to do it without a coach in front of them telling you what to do. And in my mind, I was like, oh, crap, like, are we enabling people as much as we're trying to help people? Like when they're in front of us, when they're in front of me, and they're following exactly what I do, and I have my two eyes on them, they're doing great. But once they got by themselves, and something crazy happened, like, you know, the pandemic, all of a sudden, they felt like they couldn't do it. When in my head, I was like, no, absolutely you can. But I was like, there's something deeper here. That's when I started to look at the approach of mindset, more of different connections of autonomy, how to really help clients not just achieve the goals that they got to, but also give them the tools that they know how they got there. So it's partly their idea as well as my idea. So that's when I got into intuitive training, just intuition of biofeedback, kind of, you know, coming to your workouts with a question rather than an answer. So that's kind of what's built my program now of what I do with Breakthrough Secrets, which is my company, along with the podcast that I do, which is The Strength Connection.
0: I love that so much. And so interesting because it's completely true. And I, I actually saw that as well. I've had a CrossFit gym before the pandemic and the people that I saw coming in like religiously for five years, the moment that there was no coach, there were no more classes, they also started to fall off. And I think a lot of A lot of people associate fitness with maybe the gym environment or fitness with the coach or fitness with particular instructions and having somebody always watch them and and give them that direct feedback. And so maybe tap in a little bit more around what you mean by the intuitive training.
1: Sure. So this is a a practice that I started doing a couple of years ago. where kind of going into every day with a framework idea of what I'm going to do for training, but not like a detailed structure of like this day, I'm doing three sets of eight, three sets of five. And so
0: rigidity, essentially,
1: exactly. And I think there's a lot of merit to rigidity, I think, at a beginner stage, that we need to build that discipline. Sometimes you do and I don't knock, you know, gyms at all, or like how coaches approach, I think it's so valuable. And I think that's needed, but once you get past that disciplinary set point, you know, I've used the analogy before of like going through school where it's like, okay, what do we do in school? We go to kindergarten and first grade and second grade and like we learn the ABCs, right? As soon as you learn the ABCs, then you learn how to read short paragraphs and then, you know, words, and then you get to bigger books, so on and so forth. Eventually you get to high school, then you get to college where you, uh, that's the goal of that is to get a higher learning, where you're actually starting to think for yourself more. Now, for a lot of times what we do in fitness is we teach everybody the alphabet And then we just keep doing the alphabet over and over again. We do the same six-week program or 12-week program again. And because it worked at the beginning for people, we just keep doing the same structure over and over again. But we know the body adapts. We need to change it. We need to get into different types of work. So once you get past that initial level of learning the alphabet and kind of getting into knowing how to read on the physical standpoint, maybe you know how to do the movements that you're working with. Now going into it with like a framework of, okay, I'm going to do a push motion, a pull motion, a leg motion, but maybe today feels a little bit different. Maybe my bilateral movements don't feel really good. Maybe it's more unilateral that I need to do. There's some tests that our body will tell us. So like our grip strength tells us a lot about our athletic readiness, you know, like you can tell if you pick up a weight that you naturally pick up and usually it's really light, all of a sudden today it feels really heavy. That could be an indicator to your body. Okay, this is going to be a lighter day. A lot of times we talk about intuition with eating and nutrition, like it's a big thing to do. And I think it's merit there. We can also do a very similar thing with our strength training and with our work. And like I said, I think the biggest skill that we can give as coaches for clients is to build their self-awareness off. If they know like when it's time to pedal to the metal and go, they also know their body of when it's time to maybe step back for a day, then if it's partly their idea that they're in control of what they're doing. And I know I work with a lot of clients who own businesses, their young parents, like sometimes they need the mental bandwidth in order to get through the rest of their day. So if I just smoke them out on a, r- a structured program for the day, then they're going to be, yeah, they got their physical training done, but they got nothing left for the other priorities in their life.
0: So good. I love that. And you know what I hear you saying is really the word consistency. Like as you're talking, all I hear is consistency, consistency. And that's the thing is when we're able to be flexible around our training and really tune into what the body is asking that day, we're able to harness that consistency. But if I force myself through something because I said I was going to do it that day, but really my body wasn't ready for it, I wasn't feeling well recovered from my previous workout, or maybe I just needed something more gentle that day, then I think we start to create more resistance in the body and more resistance to that consistency overall.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then it, it can start getting into that mindset of if you planned a hard workout day and your body's just kind of telling you no on it, and then you have like a, a weak day or like, you've then it's in their mind, oh my God, I failed, I'm regressing. And then it starts this spiral of our mindset of going in and then do I need to switch everything over or whatnot? If you give a few ideas of what we can do, like this is our medium day, this is our light day, this is our hard day. I use the analogy of the highway of strength with uh, clients where like you have a right lane, you have a middle lane and a left lane. And we go through that. Okay, what's our left lane day? All right, that's where we're pushing it. That might be a day when there's not a lot of other stress going on. Like it's a pretty carefree day. You got everything else, like all your faculties in line. Middle day is kind of somewhere in the middle. And Then here's your light day. Okay, this is what we're doing. If you feel like that day, you didn't get a lot of sleep. Your kids kept you up. You got a big project. You need all your faculties because you got the big presentation that you're doing. All right, this is what you're doing today. And I think that's the thing about consistency is it's not a all or nothing thing. It's not whether you did it or you're not, or you do. It's more of, okay, you can always do something. If it's part of the plan, if you program in those light days or those heavy days and all right, now I'm ready to do it, then it's like, okay, it's not I regressed today or I did really well today. No, I just, this is my plan.
0: Right, and that's where we see results, right? It's not about how much we did in that one training session, but it's how often we showed up over that length of period of time that really ends up giving us the results. And, you know, Michael, I've seen also in my gym, when there was somebody overtraining, so hitting, you know, hitting really heavy weights every single day for weeks without taking a day off. That's when injury happened. Or when there was something big going on in their life, a massive life event like you were sharing earlier, that's when injury happened. And when you see it, an athlete, I call my clients athletes, when you see an athlete come in and is super flustered with whatever is going on in the day, well, they bring that into the training because the training is not just the physical body, right? There's a massive component that the mind plays as well. The emotions, everything else that's going on in our life is what we bring to the gym, not just the workout and what we're going to do in that one hour.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's I mean, emotions carry weight, you know, and if it's it's been an emotional day, and sometimes like it feels good, like a lot of clients, like we want to come in and we want to crush it out then like we want to relieve that stress. But it's kind of a hilarious thing. Like if you have a lot of stress, and then like you have a crucial conversation with somebody, we say it feels like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders. It's like, yeah, no shit, it actually is a weight lifted off your shoulders. And I mean, it's something just to be aware of. Like I said, I think there's the development of discipline, of consistency. We need to build that over time. But as I mentioned to you offline, I think so many people are in that phase that I call the advanced beginner or that intermediate phase where they've done some things. They're doing things on a a really good track. They've built that consistency up. But now all of a sudden, these other things start coming into play. You know, oftentimes we can mentally focus in because we're so desperate to make a change for six weeks or 12 weeks. We can block everything else out. But then once we let that guard down a little bit and real life starts coming into play a little bit more and different things happen, summertime changes things, going back to school, holiday time and stuff like that. If we think we need to approach physical training in the same way every time, that's when we lead into injuries, which leads to being you know, demoralized. And then all of a sudden, we start to backtrack. And then it's building back up. And that can be one of the toughest things to do. I've had injuries. I'm sure you have in the past as well. I mean, we all have these things that pop up. It sucks when you can't do that.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And, and it, it becomes such a turnoff too, right? And this feeling of accomplishing results and then all of a sudden losing the results, we start to tell ourselves, well, no matter how much I try, you know, it just doesn't work. And so why try again? And especially if we've gone through these cycles many times in our past and we keep coming to that same place and success can only happen if we truly change who we are. We have to change our thoughts around what we do. We have to change the emotions that we bring into the gym. We have to change the behavior that we do. And once we do all that, we end up changing essentially who we are. We have to change our identity around health and fitness. But when we look at our goal as this other task that I have to do, and once I've accomplished it, I don't have to work anymore. That's where we get stuck. It's not like our taxes, right? The moment we submit our taxes, we stop working on it. The moment we finish that final exam, we never have to go back and study again. But health and fitness is really a way of life. And if you're able to have that flexibility that you're sharing and being in that space of intuitive training, then you can see it long term and you're able to put in more energy when you have it that day and then back off whenever you need to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it is. It's the next level of, I believe, programming to solidify that sustaining strength. You know, we, we hear it a lot like, I want to get to this goal and now I just want to maintain or I want to sustain where I am. Well, nothing in nature just stays at one point. Like what we really do mean is we want to keep excelling over and over again, and new goals are going to pop up, new thoughts are going to come up that we get to this moment. But what you said there, which I thought is so powerful, Sherry, is, you know, changing the thoughts. And that's a big thing that I look at with clients. So I have a, the four pillars of mastery that I talk about with my group is recovery, discovery, creation, and mastery. So it's like, oftentimes we go right to the discovery point, like we're adding in things, we're adding in a new plan, we're adding in a new nutrition program, we're adding in a new mindset practice of meditation, we're adding stuff into our day. But we still have the same identity, we still have a lot of the same self-limiting beliefs. If we don't talk about those or recover from those, then it doesn't matter how much we discover, we still view ourselves in a different light. And this was something that I found that was so fascinating, where the average person starts and stops a new fitness or nutrition program like four times a year. And every time you start and stop that self-efficacy, that belief that you can achieve fully your goals start to diminish, where almost 80% of people don't believe that they can fully achieve the best goals that they accomplish. Now that's like, okay, all the workouts, all the nutrition plans, all the fruits and vegetables that we can prescribe to people to do, it's not going to do anything if we don't tackle that piece first. And what sucks about that is that's difficult to do. Like, that's uncomfortable. Like, it's fun to go in and slam some weights and get some cardio and you feel a high afterwards, but. To talk about why you failed in the past and why you keep doing the same pattern over and over again. That's a tough thing. And it's a hard conversation as a coach to have with somebody because it's emotional. It's like you don't want to put people in that mindset, you know. But if you do break through that and then you combine that with the physical side of training, then all of a sudden, holy crap, like things just really start to open
0: up. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, we get whatever we think. And if you if you think about it, whatever we focus on, whatever our thoughts are, is what we get more of. Right. And the brain always starts to find ways to prove those thoughts. So those become our belief systems, essentially. My last car that I bought was an infinity. And I remember that was the first time I had actually looked at that make, you know, and all of a sudden I saw them everywhere. Because now that I was aware of this car, I saw it everywhere. And so it's the exact same thing when it comes to those self-deprecating thoughts. If I'm going in and I'm working out and I'm doing all the things and I'm listening to my coach and I'm following the plans and I'm doing all the right steps on paper, but yet the mind the whole entire time is, you can't do that. What are you talking about? Come on. Remember, you failed. That's so hard. Did you see what she did? You can't even do that. And it goes on and on and on. Well, I just create resistance for myself. And I start to match my habits and my actions start to match whatever my thoughts are and not the thoughts of success, not the thoughts of me being in that place and that vision of what I'm really trying to create.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like an internal thermostat, right? It's like, you know, if you set your house to 70 degrees, okay, well, if it gets colder than that, the heat's going to kick on, it's going to bring you back to 70. If you get too hot, though, then the air conditioning is going to come on and bring it down. And it's so interesting because when we, as humans, when we get in like those desperate situations, like oftentimes, like you can figure out how to make the changes to get you back to that status quo. You tunnel vision yourself, you get that stuff right, and you figure out how to make ends meet in whatever you're doing. But also, it's the flip side on the top side, when you start elevating yourself up, and you start doing things, we can sometimes naturally self sabotage ourselves back down into where we believe that our status quo is, it's that internal governor that's going on. And, you know, the thoughts that and then the words that come out, I mean, those matter of what we say to ourselves, you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of a cliche term of, you know, watch yourself talk, but cliches come from truth. And it's like, you know, it's funny, I just had a A client who I just started with before the big thing is scheduling. You know, she's got a really tough schedule, and we worked before in the past, and we had to move some stuff around. And the first text message I got from her the other day was, "As per usual, I need to change the schedule." And I was like, "Hey, I'm like, we had to have a conversation about that. It's like you're already putting out into the ether that you're going to have an issue with the schedule." And I told you, "Okay, we'll work this out. We'll figure it out from there." But this internal dialogue that we have, where oftentimes if we're in a bad state, we can bring ourselves up, we'll get us back up. But you also have to watch when you elevate yourself up there, watch that self-sabotage talk to bring yourself down. It's very powerful and it's very sneaky how it does it as well.
0: So well said, and that's a really great example. and you're right. It just becomes our self fulfilling prophecy. I'm going to be like this. I know I'm already going to have a hard time with that before we even start something. This is going to be really hard. That that's going to be really hard to do. We've already decided that it's not going to work. So spot on on that. You know, Michael, you have this beautiful light and excitement when you talk about all this stuff and you talk about your podcast and your clients and and how you're doing so much beautiful work to really change the world. And I'm so curious, why is this work so important to you?
1: That's a really good question. At the beginning, it was always, I just loved, I knew I wanted to always do something that helped people. My first dream as a as a kid was to be a fireman, because I thought it was the closest I could get to being a superhero. And now getting into uh, the training work and developing mastery, like seeing someone who achieves a goal that they can't achieve before, what they can't achieve, or that they think that they can achieve, I'll rephrase that i wrote a piece about this before like the odd look on the face and i remember this so vividly i had an old client in the uh, studio that I was at and we used to do a challenge every six months and it was like a deadlift it was a tactical strength challenge so deadlift pull up snatch we had a bunch of people coming together And we had a guy, his name was Greg, and he came to us saying that he could never deadlift again because he hurt his back in a place where he just lifted too much. And so, and it was like, okay, like, you know, he didn't do any deadlifts for a bit. He just built his strength back up then started to feel good. He's like, oh, maybe I want to get back into this again. And sure enough, down the line, he came to this challenge and he never lifted over 300 pounds before. And he loaded up 335 And he just ripped it right off the ground and he put it down and everybody's cheering. It's like a great time. And then he he had this like quizzical look on his face of like, holy crap, like, did I just do that? And it was like this shatter of this like breaking belief type that's going on in his mind when just in that moment, it was like, oh my God, did that actually just happen? And I remember that so vividly. And I see that with people when we break through our thoughts and these self-limiting beliefs that we've had for years, and we finally break through. And then you start to just see people just soar. You see it in their posture. You hear it in the tone of their voice. You hear it in the articulation of what they say. You see it in their training. They're messaging you more from that. Like That is so... Just unbelievable to me, where you break through that yo yo pattern of back and forth, feeling like you took two steps forward and three steps back, till finally now you're just elevating and soaring. If I can do that for anybody in there, like that's a greater purpose than I can think of any dollar amount that I can make, any influence of followers of anything like that. Like that one on one connection of someone is that's a spiritual connection right there. That's something greater than ourselves.
0: So beautiful. So beautiful. And it sounds to me through the story that he just became a completely new person.
1: Overnight. Yeah.
0: Overnight. As we shed those limiting beliefs, we're just a completely different person.
1: Yeah. It's such a powerful. And I just looked and I'm like, you know, usually somebody does that and it's like this high five and it's like, oh my God, it's like cheering. And it was just like this kind of looking around like, oh my God, did that actually just happen? Am, Am I alive? Am I like, is this a dream? And, you know, from a time where how quickly we can get into patterns of thinking, I'll never deadlift again. Like, I can't do that because we have just a trauma in there. That's trauma. You know, it's like he had an issue and he didn't want to do it, but he knew he needed to do something, started working, just getting back into some natural pattern, started to feel good. Then, oh my God, he's back into it. Never stopped from there. And those are the things is we think our thoughts are our reality. Oftentimes, it's just like certain triggers that come in. It's like, no, you can change your thoughts. And if you combine that with a physical action, it doesn't have to be strength training, even just going for a walk and having this together. You know, I found that combining that mental practice with the physical practice, if you can do those together, that really solidifies those deep think, those deep thinkings, those deep thoughts that we want to have. And it really just, you know, continues to build in our lives.
0: I love that. So beautiful and so powerful. And, and, you know, one of the things I really love about your work is that you want to create autonomy for people. You want to help them you want to empower them with the tools so that they continue to build on that on their own and be self-sufficient and self-confident in their own transformation and it reminds me actually of your story Reminds me of a story that i had with with an athlete also at my gym she came to see me she you know she purchased a a pack of sessions and we were doing one-on-one coaching this was back when i had my gym and you know it was a rough start, you know, there was a lot of resistance from her. I would ask her to do something, and right away the resistance was like, I can't do that. Why are you asking me to do that? You think I can actually do that? And so this was going on for like weeks. And I it was exhausting for me because I wanted the best for her, but there was like constant this this meeting of resistance coming from her. And I was just about ready to say to her, you know, I, I don't know that I can support you because I don't really feel good, Michael, if I'm if I'm working with someone and, and they're investing in me and I'm like, I'm not helping them. I'm not going to just keep working with. Them. So it's getting to this point where like, I don't know that this is working. I don't know that I'm, I'm actually serving her. And I was about to have this conversation with her when she finally shared with me and I actually had her on my podcast. So if she's listening, bring her up again. But she finally shared with me that when she was in high school, she was nominated as most unathletic. And there was a photo of her in the school yearbook, can you imagine, with most unathletic. And so she carried this with her, her whole life. And really, every time she did something like, but I'm not athletic. And then I would ask her to jump on a box. I'm not athletic. And I'd ask her to do, you know, ring rows. I'm not athletic. And so there was this constant, constant resistance that she was meeting with herself every single time I asked her to do something. And then it was this one day where I had her jump on a plyometric box it was this height that was a little bit more than what she would normally do and she jumped on this box and she was like and like just this beautiful light coming from her face from her soul you could tell that this was coming from somewhere deep within I could do that. I just did this. Oh my God. And since this moment, she's become unstoppable. I continued to coach her for a few more years and then finally wanted to just let her go. Like you could do this. Like I, I know you can. And so at first it was a little bit of resistance, kind of what you were talking about. Like I need my coach. What am I going to do that? My coach. And now she's really found her way. And she's in epic shape, like probably one of the most inspirational people I've ever met in my life. And it's this reminder that transformation doesn't happen in six weeks. It happens the moment we release those limiting beliefs and it happens in the present moment when we finally embrace that we truly can create whatever we want in our life just by believing in ourselves and believing in the process. So thanks for sharing your story.
1: Oh yeah. I love stories like that. It's so powerful. And it's, you know, it's amazing too. Like when we talk about autonomy and creating that, right? It's oftentimes if we're in a scarcity mindset, like we want to hold on to everything. And I thought that for a while, it's like, you hold on to your clients and you don't let them go. Like you don't know attrition, like lock the back door, all that stuff. It's, and then I had a good friend and mentor, Chris, who told me like my goal of anybody I work with is to create the most beautiful breakup where you, we get to a point where we're like, we did everything that we designed to do together. And then now you're ready to go off. If you want to stay with me, that's great. I'm a great person to be around, but you should never feel like you need to be around, you know, a coach or have that coach, you know, with you. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a tough thing because if you are building a business, if you're a young coach, you want to hold on to every you know client and every client you lose, you feel like it's an abandonment in some ways. Like, oh my God, what did I do? And you try and hold on. It's like, look, it's like you create the best environment to give them that autonomy. And you're just creating more great stuff around you. It's like you're filling up your cup over and over and then it just spills over into everything. It's a beautiful thing when somebody goes off and then they're still doing it from, that, from, from what you taught them before. That's so powerful. I think that's why we all get into coaching in many ways is because we want that feeling. Maybe we can't articulate it at the beginning, but once you get a few of those experiences down, then it is. I've, I remember... Helen says, I've told this story a million times, I'll be brief on it. But one of my first clients I ever had, her name was Helen, and she was over 90 years old. And we had a big senior citizen population. And she came in, we had a program called Silver Sneakers, which is like an insurance based paid membership, they were coming for classes. And I was just talking to her one day, and she was asking about getting some extra help. And so I sat down with her. I was like 24 at the time and really pretty new into training. And I'm like, what's your goals? Kind of all the normal questions that you said. And she said, I want to open up the peanut butter jar. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this is something I never heard before. And we started asking, getting into the question. And every morning she would wake up early and she would have an English muffin and peanut butter with her cup of tea and she would watch her news program. And that was like her favorite part of starting the day. Her grip started to give way from some arthritis and she couldn't grip the peanut butter jar anymore and open it. So it was really impacting her life. I never heard of this before at 24 years old. Everything was about abs and aesthetics, you know? And so, sure enough, we started working together. And three months in, or three weeks in, I was sitting at my desk just doing some programming head down. And all of a sudden, I hear something hit my desk and I look up and it's a peanut butter jar. And it's Helen. She looks up and she says, Watch this. And she opened up the jar in front of me. And the look on her face was like Usain Bolt just winning a gold medal in the Olympics. It was so powerful. I never forgot that moment of there of, you know, strength has a greater purpose. And everybody's goals are different from themselves. And you treat everyone with the same love and respect as anybody you do. You can work with professional athletes. That's awesome, whatever. Or you can work with Helen who wants to open up a peanut butter jar and have her breakfast in the morning. It was so powerful. I'll never forget that for my life. It still gets me choked up just thinking about, you know, her at that time since she's, you know, passed on from here. But yeah, it's, you know, whatever it is, if you can give that to somebody and you can just add some good value to the life, man, why wouldn't you do that?
0: So rewarding. So rewarding. And you know, Michael, I, I have a feeling you don't want to work with just 10 or 20 people that you can fit on your schedule, but I, I feel like you want to work with thousands of people, and that's why it's beautiful to give them this gift. And I always say fitness is possible for everyone, and that is the gift that I want to give and continue to give and, and make people independent and self-confident and really sure of their ability to just continue to implement the habits that I share with them. And and that's truly what I believe is my job is just to give them the tools and then they do the work and they continue to implement that long-term. So I want to ask you one more question because I'm super, super curious. So I always said that one day when I retire, okay, I'm going to sail the world on a sailboat. And the one thing I want to bring with me is a kettlebell. And so I'm super curious what is your fascination with kettlebells and why are they your favorite modality
1: so my first love in athletics was baseball and i think what i loved about it so much is that the details of just changing the movement a little bit could be the difference between hitting a home run and popping the ball up you know it's like everything is so down to the detail of so i always love just going deep rather than wide in different practices so when I got into fitness and then I started playing around with kettlebells a bit, I learned about Pavel. I learned about Gray Cook with their work with FMS and you know kettlebells. Then I met Brett Jones and I just decided to do this program, the RKC program. And that one weekend really changed my life. Like just meeting people who Committed to something that was just deeper than just fitness, like it was something deeper about strength, about the technique, the skill of strength, where really like movement and grace of movement from mobility, from strength, from stability, from cardiovascular endurance, like it's one tool that is so versatile that you can practice all of those things together. And that you don't need to do a million different movements about it. You know, in Strong First, we teach six movements in in Strong First Level 1 principles. And you can go to Level 2, you can play around with a bunch of different stuff. But, you know, if I was on a desert island with a 16-kilogram bell, you know, I will come out stronger, you know, from there. I stole that from my friend Brett on there. But the details and kind of the intuition that you can develop and you can build within one tool... I think is so powerful. I love going to the gym. I love other aspects of it as well. like I, Barbell training is great. I love bodyweight work. I think bodyweight is actually the most challenging modality to coach and to really master. But for me to go down to like the lake that's by my house with one kettlebell in the morning time and just play around with movement and just enjoy it, I think it just it transcends just wanting to look a certain way or to lift a certain weight and to get a specific external goal. It's really a tool for me that can you know connect my mindset, my spiritual connection, you know, to the world, you know, to God, to whatever it is. At, that's where I am at that point. From it as a tool for physical training, I think it's the most versatile thing that you can have. I think no matter what the weight is, you can figure out how to get a great workout in it regardless of what strength level you're at. But as a a tool that teaches you a lot about yourself and about something of mastery, you know, and that's a big thing. I mean, in my four pillars, as I talked about, you know, recovery, discovery, creation, and mastery. Like mastery, you get to a point where you're sharpening your saw, where it's just kind of part of you every day. And you continuously learn more about yourself, more about what you want to Contribute to the world. And I think it's a way for me, it's a way to do that. You know, so I don't like, I don't have any specific, like crazy goals to do with kind of kettlebell training. I want to fine tune my technique. I'll have some things that ensure challenges that pop up down the line. But for me, it's ability to connect with people on a deeper level of fitness and health.
0: So good. I love this. I love this. I love you. I love our conversation. So good. And so if people wanted to reach out to you, Michael, where could they go to do that?
1: Facebook Michael Kirkowski you can find me there uh, my Facebook group the strength connection is where i do a lot of like you know deep dives into stuff a lot of insights a lot of current things that i'm working on you can check me out on Instagram same mike uh, underscore strength connection from there and my uh, website which is mystrengthconnection.com that you can go into if you're really interested in intuitive training and that's kind of your modality. If the, that resonated with you, I have a free ebook that I put on there that you can get. It's called the One Day Strength Challenge, where it incorporates a few different kettlebell movements, how to use the Highway of Strength to determine what day you want to work on for the day, and kind of develop your own intuition and get in. Just throw it in, shoot me over your email, and I'll send it right over to you.
0: Amazing! Thank you so much. That's so generous, and thank you so much for your time. I love this conversation so much.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Sherry.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode and remember, you are an inspiration.